Um, I'm just going to read, we're going to have a look at Matthew 1 today, so if you'd like to take a seat, I'm just going to read the first, um, first portion of scripture in Matthew 1. So Matthew 1 starts, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminabab. Aminabab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jerem. Jerem, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Omon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeognaiah. And his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shittil. Shatil was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of um, Abihud. <laughs> I feel like this should be bingo if anyone's got a better alternative. Any advance on Abuhed? Happy with that. I have to say it again. Abuhed, the father of Ilakim. Ilakim, the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eluhud. Eluhud, the father of Elizar. Elizar, the father of uh, Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and the Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. <laughs> I didn't know whether it was appropriate. I didn't know whether it was appropriate to get the prayer team to come out beforehand and just pray with me just as I attempted that. But we made it. We've got the last little bit to get through, but thanks, guys. Um, Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are able to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, 
and they will kill him, Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Um, Hannah, if we could just welcome you up. Um, And if we could just pray with you just before we start. Does that sound good? Okay, brilliant. Guys, if you just want to stretch out a hand as we pray for Hannah's team. God, I just ask, just as we pray before, that your presence would be here tonight. We just ask that more and more of you is coming, the more and more revelations and knowledge that Hannah is sharing to us all, that your presence would be in this place, God, that you will be felt, that you would be speaking to each one of us individually. Holy Spirit, come. Your presence is so valued. Your word is so valued. And we just thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mitch. Let's just give Mitch a round of applause. That was, that was some quality reading right there. Hopefully, you'll still be friends with me after I asked you to read that. Oh, gosh. I think I am in trouble. Um, so tonight, what I... Um, I'm intending to do is take a look at the story of Joseph. Um, We're going to play a little game here. It's called Hands Up. If you're a girl and you ever wanted to be Mary in the school nativity or church nativity when you were little. Okay, come on. Let's be honest now. Hands right up. Pretty much nearly every girl in the room. Um, Hands up, boys, if you ever wanted to be Joseph. Not so many, because you had to sit next to a girl and hold a baby and maybe kiss her. Nobody ever wanted to be Joseph. And I don't know, God's been really speaking to me about Joseph over the next couple of, uh, over the last um, couple of years. And he's kind of been ruminating in my head because I don't think he really gets the praise that he's due. And so what I want to do tonight, really simply, is just look at the story of Christmas through Joseph's eyes, if that's all right. So that's what we're going to do. But as we start, I wanted to tell you a little story about um, an amusing conversation that I was part of last night. So I was at a friend's 30th, because that is how rock and roll I am these days. Yes, I am not yet 30. I am still 29, but I do go to 30th birthday parties. And um, at this uh, birthday party, I don't know about you, but I, I definitely feel about my friends, especially the girls. I am seriously like punching above my weight. Like, my friends are like crazily intelligent, strong, fierce, beautiful women. I'm like, wow, I get to be friends with you. This is so great. Um, But they are also very innocent-minded and some of them really quite naive. And for some reason, (laughs) the conversation kind of got onto the subject of of what we like to do at the weekend. And um, some of them were saying, well, I quite like to watch Netflix and chill. (laughs) and it transpired that um, basically that doesn't mean quite what you think it might mean it means something entirely different and they were utterly horrified none more so than the friend who actually had I love to watch Netflix and chill as her tinder profile (laughs) oh gosh revelation it was a fairly horrifying moment for her And uh, basically, the entire point that I'm making there is that the introductions we give ourselves matter. 
she was like, no wonder I've been getting so much traction. <laughs> the, the introductions we, we give ourselves matter. And then um, the introduction that I got Mitch to read for us um, wasn't just so that you could all amuse yourselves by listening to him read out some crazy Jewish names. It was because <laughs> Joseph's introduction in Matthew 1, that's Joseph's family history. That's the introduction to who he is. And it's flipping impressive. I don't know if you realize that, but like every name that Mitch read would have been a well-known name to the Jewish people growing up. This was the history that they would have recited to each other. This is Joseph's introduction. And for his culture, it was like the equivalent of like a really, really, really great CV. And so what it tells us about Joseph is um, that he was missed a big deal. I would like us to consider that for a minute. Joseph was Mr. Big Deal because Joseph was one of the very few remaining Jews who could trace his family history all the way from Abraham through to King David, through all the kings of Judah, all the way through to the exile. He was essentially a royal descendant. Joseph, Joseph was a royal descendant. And at the point that we meet him, he's part of the most oppressed people group in the Roman Empire, the Jews. And uh, therefore, to make any kind of claim about the fact that you were descended from the true ancient line of kings was to make a pretty dangerous political statement. It's to say to Herod, the puppet imposter king that the Romans had put on the throne, um, who's essentially just a military commander who'd been kind of put there. Hey, Herod, your days are numbered you're an imposter, and us over here, we're the royal descendants. We're the true people. And so I think Joseph was a Mr. Big Deal, but I think if he knew what was good for him, then he was probably a quiet, unassuming, under-the-radar kind of Mr. Big Deal, because otherwise, that would have been it. But I don't know about you, I, uh, I don't think quiet, unassuming people go on about their lives with no dreams, with no ambitions, with no hopes. I think quiet, unassuming people sometimes have some of the most audacious dreams and plans for their life imaginable, do you think? It's not just extroverts that get to do the big, crazy, wild adventure stuff. And I guess I've just got myself speculating a little bit. What if Joseph was a little bit like that? What if he had big dreams for his life? The Jews believed that those, um, there were two really big promises that God was going to fulfill through the royal household. They'll come up on the screen. Two really big promises. The promise made to Abraham, that through Abraham, all nations would be blessed. And then this promise to David, that his throne and his kingdom would be established forever before the Lord. And so Joseph comes in, rightfully calling himself, I am a son of Abraham. I am descended from this line. I am a son of David. I am, I am the true inheritor. I am part of the true inheritance of, of, of the royal household. All of which I'm making a point of saying to show you that Joseph might have had speculate with me for a minute. Joseph might have had his own dreams and plans about how his life might turn out. He might have had his own ideals for his own flesh and blood, his own children with his newly betrothed beautiful wife Mary over here. 
And if we speculate a little further, I just wonder if as Joseph was growing up, maybe in the playground, they were like, yeah, that's Joseph. He's kind of a big deal around here. He's kind of special. He's part of the, like, he's, he's kind of royalty. There's something special about Joseph. And I wonder if maybe Joseph speculated at all around any of that stuff. So imagine then with me for a minute that Mary comes to Joseph, says, Joe, we need to have a chat. It's, uh, it's not great news. I'm pregnant and the kid's not yours. Wow. I think Joseph would have been literally beyond gutted, like disappointment central, utterly distraught, angry. Would any of you be angry? I'm pretty sure I'd be angry. (laughs) What do you think you're doing, Mary? You're pregnant. Who are you kidding? Maybe Joseph even said this, God, what are you doing? This wasn't the plan. I'm Joseph. I'm a son of Abraham, son of David. I've got plans. God, what are you doing? And here's my question. I wonder if you have ever felt like that. God, what are you doing? This was not the plan. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever known disappointment? I think if you're at all human here this evening, we've all known disappointment of some kind, haven't we? Here's what I think we can learn from Joseph's Christmas story. Disappointment. Disappointment is what happens when we're human. Life is full of disappointments. It doesn't always go the way that we want it to. hate to break it to you, but disappointment is real. (laughs) It happens. I listened to a podcast by Chris Vallotton this week on raising prophetic families. I really love listening to Chris Vallotton. How many of you listen to Chris Vallotton? Oh, surprised. Okay, not so many. He's a great guy based out in Bethel. And um, he's really provocative. He says some stuff that ticks me off. But that's really good because it's good to listen to people that you don't agree with as well as people that you do. Um, And he said this. He was talking about disappointment. He says, God is not your genie. And he is also not your slave. Wow, kind of packs a punch, doesn't it? God is not your genie. And he is also not your slave. And I think I agree. Crap happens, doesn't it? And God's not some kind of spiritual Santa that always plays the ball right into our hands. And Chris went on to explain that he thinks that sometimes... There are good reasons why we get disappointments and with the benefit of hindsight we can look back and see how that really bad situation actually turned out to be a good thing because it allowed us to come here to this different place and do something different. Does that make sense? He thinks actually sometimes disappointments can work out to be good and you can think, wow God, actually you were really helping me out there that that that, that actually happened. With the greatest respect to Chris, I do agree, but I also think sometimes crap happens because crap happens. Because we live in a broken, hurting, fallen world, and sometimes there are wonderful reasons to use swear words. Do you not think? Sometimes, sometimes evil is evil, and it's disgusting, and it's wrong, and it's okay that we get angry about stuff when it goes wrong. 
And when people get hurt and when stuff like completely messes up, evil, bad stuff happens because bad stuff happens. Sometimes we get hurt, we get broken, we get let down, we get overwhelmed, we fail exams, we struggle with our mental health. Maybe more seriously, you face the reality of serious illness, of addiction, someone you love facing terminal cancer, grief, mourning, lament. These things are real people. We're not promised a disappointment-free life when we follow Jesus. But what we are promised is the presence of God right in the middle of our disappointments. And Joseph shows us this. So come with me back to the passage. All credit to him. Despite his understandable outrage at Mary, what are you doing? You are pregnant. How dare you? Um, he basically makes a plan to move on. His is a resigned grief, a very private anger. Verse 19, because he was a righteous man and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And then, get this, right into the pivot point of Joseph's disappointment, right there in the pain of it, God says this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I actually wonder that some of us maybe just need to hear that, that really simple phrase from your father this evening. Do not be afraid. And the reason that um, I think Joseph was able to accept that kind of reassurance is more than a glib nicety. You know when someone says like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And they're really well-meaning. They don't mean anything wrong by it. But you're literally like, you have not engaged with the gravity of what I'm experiencing right now. Don't just speak niceties to me. The reason that Joseph could accept it as more than just a nicety was because God honors him. Honors him. It's right there in the text. I don't know if you missed it. Verse 20 is in what he calls him. Joseph, son of David. Son of David. Joseph, I know who you are. I know who you had plans about being. I know the dreams that you had for your life. I know who you called yourself. I know the reputation that you had. Son of David, do not be afraid. And so right into the pivot point of his disappointment, God gives Joseph a name and he gives him a job. It's kind of a blokey thing to do, isn't it? Like to give a man a job to do, to kind of like get them over there to go and do something. In my house at Christmas time, my mother always gives my dad the Christmas stuffing to do. That's like his job on Christmas Eve. And for years, I just thought this was like a really lovely like Christmas tradition till a couple of years ago when I realized it was basically to get him out of her hair so that he would spend literally two and a half hours doing like one form of stuffing. <laughs> Actually saying this out loud is literally ridiculous. And, uh, and she would run around doing like 20 other million jobs to get ready for, for Christmas. Well, this is not just a token role for Joseph like that. This is, this is a really important job. Come with me to verse 21. Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is amazing, okay? 
in place of the physical lineage that Joseph had longed to cradle in his arms. Into this place of absolute heartbreaking disappointment and regret. God sets him up with the most precious of tasks. You, Joseph, you, son of David, you are to name the son of history. You are to name the son of the universe. You are to give him the name Jesus and he will make all things right. And so Joseph gets faithful. He gets on with the job in hand. For me, one of the most tear-inducing sentences of all scripture is verse 25 of this chapter. And he gave him the name Jesus. This incredible adoptive father holds this baby of no biological relation, looks at him and utters the name Jesus. Jesus. I just, it gets me. <laughs> wow. He gives him a name and he gives him a job. So Joseph got faithful in uh, the face of his disappointment because he understood that the honor of God was more important than the honor of man. And as an aside, I don't know if you've ever wondered why there was no room in Bethlehem. You know, when Mary and Joseph do the whole like donkey, travel along. Um, slightly, you know, go around the church and the nativity on the back of a donkey. It's all very sweet and whatever. And they travel to Bethlehem because there's a census and, and then there's no room in Bethlehem. And do you know that like hospitality in Palestinian culture is like one of their most prized cultural assets? The reason that there was no room for them in Bethlehem, no room at the inn was because the word about Mary had spread it's not Joseph's baby. She's pregnant before they're actually got married. She's a loose woman. You don't want that kind of person in your house. So Joseph, his faithfulness to God cost him his reputation. It meant that people looked at him with shame. That he carried disgrace for the sake of faithfulness to God. He cared more for the honour of God than the honour of man. So when we're disappointed, God finds us. He meets us there. He gives us a name. He speaks right into the heart of your identity crisis, your wondry, 